Well, God has come to heal the family. Believe that? God has come to heal the family. God has come to heal the family. There's a healing. God has come to heal the family. The only problem with that statement is if you don't define family big enough. If it's your personal biological family, that's just too small. If it's your extended family, maybe even the neighbors out in the country, that's just still too small. Unless your definition of family includes the entire world, all human beings on it, and all of creation itself, your definition is too small. God is coming to heal the family. And the family includes each and every one of us, all the breathing and living things in creation, and Mother Earth herself. God is coming to heal the family. And this season of politics, when we elect presidents and other new candidates, sometimes, boy, we want to say, God, won't you bring us some healing right now? (laughs) When we planned this series, Everything I Needed to Know, I learned in kindergarten, we were thinking, maybe y'all might be tired of the election year already at the beginning of September. You know? I know it's not till November, but, you know, maybe it might be time for us to go back to the basics. You know, everything we learned... Uh, we needed to know we learned in kindergarten, you know, back when those basics where naps are good, hold hands and stick together, all those wonderful little things you learned that are in your uh, bulletin on that bookmark, look at them. See if you're practicing them today. Everything I needed to know I learned in kindergarten. So back to the basics. And so we thought about in the scriptures, where would that be for us? And so Reverend Vicki and I picked for this Sunday and next Sunday the last portion of the Ten Commandments. The first portion of the Ten Commandments talk about how we love God. And the last section of the Ten Commandments talk about how we love all of our neighbors. All of our neighbors. All of our neighbors. Uh, and Jesus said, everyone is your neighbor. So how is God healing the world as we come and look at these pieces for us of how we go back to the basics, back to kindergarten, back to the Ten Commandments? This is the first year I've had to look for school supplies before school started. So I went to Target and went looking for them. I was having a hard time until someone told me, no, you don't shop for them in the office section. There's a big whole section back there where they do Halloween and Christmas, that's school supplies. Well, one of the lists in those supplies was a 24 box of crayons. Not a 12 box, not a 100 box, not a 74 box, but a 24 box of crayons. So we found those and got them to come. And we thought for this Sunday, wouldn't it be great if y'all all got some crayons? And so you have each a little pack of crayons. And I want to know, raise your hand, tell the truth, how many of you have already opened them? Good for you. How many of you who've opened them have actually started creating something with them? Oh, good for you. So you have permission throughout the service to draw and to color. And there's some nice clear space in the bulletin you can color on. There's also some nice ads in the back that have like big letters. You can make each letter a different color if you want. Or you can choose to color outside all the lines completely. Imagine that and make your own creation as you do that. But, but I love it. We're not going to give you any alcohol this morning like Robert Fulgham suggested. So you're going to have to be in the spirit as you learn to color this morning. And you have three particular colors. Who knows what these colors are called in elementary school? Very good. Primary colors. And what's a primary color? 
and you mix them up to make what? Other colors. So these are the basics. These are the beginning. These are, if you, if you start with these, you can mix them up with other colors and make a full rainbow of colors. So as you draw this day, just express whatever creativity you can on those bulletins. And at the end of worship service, as you come shake my hand on the way out, I want to see your pictures. So did you hear that as an assignment? See, adults have to be told to, to play sometimes. And so I want to ask you to play with these crayons a little bit this morning, knowing that these are the primary colors that we start with, and we are through with the election primaries, thank God. But we still have through November to go. Sometimes after you've used your colors for a while, like in life, they can kind of get broken and worn down. And and sometimes, I don't know if you had one of those old cigar boxes that you threw all the broken pieces of crayon in, because they might be useful again. Because they can always be used. As long as there's something there, those crayons can be used. And they're all jumbled up mess of diversity and wonderful creation. And we even know that sometimes even companies like Crayola can miss the mark. (coughs) We talked about miss the mark last week. And they can miss the mark. And I don't know if you remember ever using a flesh crayon when you were growing up. Did any of you ever look at that crayon and said, who is that? (laughs) What color is that flesh crayon? That doesn't represent all the flesh I've seen in the world. You know, so even companies can miss the mark and not think big enough about who is family. Not think big enough about who's included in God's love and God's creation. And so I love this picture of of flesh-colored crayons that just show all this diversity. This wonderful diversity of the many humans that we have. The many parts of creation that we have, sometimes we just limit family too much. Even though we miss the mark, God is with us to move forward. So how do you color? You may want to be one of those strict in-the-lines person, or you might want to start from scratch. However you color, God's blessing your creativity for you to make the world beautiful. And these Ten Commandments, these sayings to keep us safe are also to help us make life beautiful. And sometimes we read them a little bit incorrectly. So I want to unpack two of them for you today. And Reverend Vicki gets like six next Sunday, but I have just two for you today. Honoring your parents and do not bear false witness. And honoring our parents is sometimes, um, for some of us, is a little scary, Because some of us have parents that we might not want to be around. Some of us have parents that may have hurt us. Some of us may have parents who abused us. And so honoring parents doesn't feel like anything kind of joyful to do. And I want to be sure that we get a deeper sense of what this commandment is about and how Jesus refers to it and how the Apostle Paul referred to it because it might help us understand it a little better. But in the Hebrew, there's a particular words used here. And in Hebrew, the word for honor is kabed, which means to be heavy or to give weight to, which is interesting. It doesn't say obey. It doesn't say do everything they say. It doesn't say they're always right. It says to give weight to is the word honor. And in opposition to that, to curse, later in the next chapter of Exodus is the Hebrew word that means to treat lightly. So are you going to treat something lightly or are you going to give it consideration to honor your parents? 
I know some of you have parents you're taking care of right now. Some of you have parents that are challenging right now, but they need you already to take care of them. My dad's doing great, except that he needs hearing aids and won't get them. He'll be talking to you in the middle of Walmart. The whole store can hear him, but you can't, you know, um, because he won't talk into the phone the right way, and he just keeps yelling at you, and oh, goodness. But I need to honor him, even if he won't wear hearing aids. And I need to recognize when he gets really frustrated at me because I can't hear him or because he can't hear me more likely is that actually each of those times he gets frustrated, he gets a little huffy. My dad's really good at huffy. He was a high school football coach, so he gets real good at huffy. He um, is really wondering if he matters. Each and every time he's wondering if he matters, if his children will give him weight, will care about him. Now we know that all of our parents are very different, and some of us are seriously taking care of parents. I was just at a friend's funeral yesterday, uh, Will Heimbach, drove up to Longview to be there, and they talked about how he finished seminary and then went right home, never got to have his own church because his mother needed him and was ill in Longview, and he went home to take care of her until she died. And then at that time, 27-year survivor of HIV, he had dementia. And for the last three of years, he lived his life out in Longview and, and died. But he took care. They talked about him taking care of his mom, leaving and making a sacrifice. But for him, I don't know how much it was because it was in love to a mother who had loved him. So I don't know if this helps any of you about what it means to honor your mother and father. To give weight to. Jesus even took the Pharisees to task because the Pharisees were getting it wrong in his day. And in the book of Mark, chapter 7, Jesus says to them, You say honor your mother and father, but then you use this thing called korban. And you say they've dedicated everything to God, and you allow them not to give any of it to their parents. You allow them not to give anything to their parents. So Jesus took them to task for saying one thing and doing another. A theologian child says this, this command does not advocate obeying or being subordinate, but treating parents with appropriate seriousness. He concludes that it was a command which protected parents from being driven out of the home or abused after they could no longer work. Does it mean something different to you if it's about social justice? About making sure once someone's life has been given and their energies are, are much less and their mind may not be able to keep hold of it that they get thrown out or thrown away. And Jesus is saying to them, you're allowing people to do this. Don't allow them to throw people away. Don't allow them to throw anyone away. God is coming for healing of the whole family. And Robert Fulgham says it this way, hold hands and stick together. Don't point fingers at each other. Stick together. Stick together. That's how you'll find healing. Pray for all of you taking care of your parents these days. As I am 57, sooner or later it'll be my task and my sister's task to do so. Uh, I've been asked to uh, lead a couple of groups at University of Houston. They want to do some research and some assistance for LGBT folks who are uh, caring for their parents with Alzheimer. 
So if you fall into one of those categories, let me know, and we'll get you connected to those resources in those groups. Hold hands and stick together, a little bit different than obeying. And it doesn't say do this if someone's been abusive to you, because Paul adds to what Jesus says. Paul actually says in Ephesians, um, fathers, after it says honor your mother and father, do not provoke your children to anger. You know, just be careful. And John Calvin, founder of the Presbyterian Church, said this, Paul indicates that if a father enjoins anything unrighteous, obedience is freely to be denied them. Leaders of our church, Jesus and Paul, saying, Honor your parents. Don't let anyone be cast away. But if they're not righteous, your obligation is free. You do not have to do that anymore. So within our own scripture, it gives some explanation of what honor your mother and father means. But beyond your biological family, we have mothers and fathers all over the place. We're thankful for those who've been mothers and fathers to us when our own parents were there or couldn't. And what do we do with them when they fall upon the same circumstances as age will do to all of us? Are we present? I'm thankful that we have OWLS, our new uh, group going called for older, wiser, leading servants, leader servants. Did I say it right? Close enough, Reverend Vicki says. To use the gifts of our folks that are older and wiser with us. So holding hands and sticking together, we can be like political parties and partisan and point fingers and blame one another, or we can maybe go back to the basics of what it means to care for one another again. And one of the basics, I think, for political season you need to look at is um, not bearing false witness. I don't know about you, but each time some of the different candidates have gotten up over this time period and they start speaking, I I think of Megan Trainor and her song. Do you know her song? Your lips are moving. Your lips are moving, so you lie, lie, lie. (laughs) You know? Listen to her singing. It's much better. But your lips are moving, so you lie, lie, lie. But it just feels like, goodness, what can I trust? You know, all these people bearing false witness against us. And then Facebook posts that are exaggerated. What can you trust? You know? Uh, I think, oh, gosh, our lips are moving, but we lie, lie, lie. Don't bear false witness And in the scripture, in the Ten Commandments, it looks like it's talking about a courtroom, a courtroom session where it says, don't bear false witness. And certainly that's true, but it's bigger than the courtroom. It's not just there, it's everywhere. You know, it's when we try to say something's true that isn't, when we try to distort reality, when we try to outcast a whole group of people because we say it's good to do so. For those of you around for the Houston Equal Rights Ordinance, And y'all remember some of those commercials that talked about bathrooms instead about people's lives. Those commercials that talked about fear, you know, and and said all these distorted things, even though the truth is there's already laws in the books against criminals. People are already safe. The people who are going to cause anyone harm are usually not anybody that's transgender. It's usually someone people already know. So whenever those commercials came on, I want to say, lie, lie, lie. Your lips are moving, just lie, lie, lie. That's the kind of distortion that I believe this commandment is talking about. But still, that's actually too easy. If we talk about in a courtroom testimony or if we talk about in political campaigns, whether about candidates or issues, what about our own home? 
What about church social hour? What about the parking lot? You know? What about all of those things? Are we in our hearts bringing truth to one another? Or do we get a little bit careless about what's going on? Another great theologian, Walter Brueggemann, says something about this. And this is a long quote, but I want you to hang in here with me. He says, politicians seek to destroy one another in negative campaigning. Gossip columnists feed off calumny. And in Christian living rooms, reputations are tarnished or destroyed over cups of coffee. Served in fine china with dessert. These de facto courtrooms are conducted without due process of law. Accusations are made. Hearsay is allowed. Slander, perjury, and libelous comments uttered without objection. No evidence, no defense. As Christians, we must refuse to participate in or to tolerate any conversation in which a person is being defamed or accused without the person being there to defend themselves. It is wrong to pass along hearsay in any form, even as prayer requests. Y'all seen that happen? (laughs) Or pastoral concerns. More than merely not participating, it is up to Christians to stop rumors and those who spread them in their tracks. That's a different way of being. How many conversations have you been in when someone said, well, we need to pray for her? And it wasn't out of any goodness in their heart because they were telling you something was wrong with her, what they knew or didn't know. It wasn't in good care for them. These things are meant to help us be safe. These things are meant to help us build community. They're meant to help us find healing, healing in the family, our homes, healing in, healing in the church family, and healing beyond. If we're able to stay to simple truths rather than what we think might be or what makes us feel good at the moment, and I know I'm guilty because I'll see one of those Facebook memes and I'll just laugh, and I know it's a horrible lie. How many of you have done that? Raise your hands. You just laugh, you know. How many are sure you've never posted anything like that? You know, right? You know, sometimes we're less careful about what our truth is or what we understand to be that truth, rather than pointing fingers at other people's truth or mistruth because they believe differently than us. Don't bear false witness. Hold hands. Stick together. Don't throw anyone out. No outcasts. Take care of those in need, whether they're blood family, chosen family, or anyone on the street corner. Jesus said, everyone is your neighbor. These are our primary colors from which we create all the beauty in the world. These are our basics of our Christian faith. Jesus summed them up as to love God and love neighbor, and boy, that's just so hard. Four words, love God, love neighbor, and it's just so hard for us to do. Well, I encourage you to think about doing it the way you draw. If you draw within the lines, do it really well. If you draw all over the place, I want you to create beauty wherever you are. And if you're creative enough to take crayons and not even use them to draw with, but like melt them and make a sculpture or a painting, do it that way. 
Because God calls all of us to participate, to participate in healing the family. How big is your definition of family? Is it so big? God invites us into a vision larger than we can imagine. Amen.